Watch out, y'all. This is the midday edition of the Daily Podcast Practice Show for Friday, December 24th, 2021. I'm your host, Rich Brimshaw, putting the P in podcasting by practicing, practicing, and practicing some more each and every day. It's good to be here practicing my podcasting skills, and thank you for being here with me on my journey to complete 365 consecutive daily podcast episodes. That's a full year of my life spent preparing, recording, editing, publishing a podcast episode. Get a life, Rich. Hey, I'm having fun. That's all that matters, right? I've got some errata from yesterday's show, and while we're here, let's check that word errata. It's E-R-R-A-T-A. That's not erotica, as some suggested to me earlier. Errata is a noun that means a list of errors in a printed work discovered after printing and shown in the corrections. So I've kind of hijacked that word to use it here for a podcast because life goes on, folks, and books used to be high-tech, and now we've got podcasts. So I'm going to use it to uh, list those things that we add to or or correct from a previous episode. And that's what this is all about. And we have another word coming up today, too. That'll be in just a few minutes. So this errata is from yesterday. The Cosmopolitan School of Music in Cincinnati, I found that it was blended with two other institutions in Cincinnati to become the University of Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music. It's college-conservatory, which is a little bit odd, but they call it CCM for short, and there's no dash in there, no hyphen. And from their website, we read, quote, The story of CCM's success involves three institutions separate in their origins, but united by a common cause. These were the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music, the College of Music of Cincinnati, and the University of Cincinnati. CCM traces its origins back to a young piano and voice teacher by the name of Clara Bauer, who was born in Germany and came to the United States of America in 1849 at the age of 13. She traveled back to Europe in 1867. She would have been 31 years old then and went back to study piano and voice methods in her homeland as well as Austria, France, and Italy. She returned to Cincinnati later that year and established the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music by renting a room in Miss Norse's School for Young Ladies. <laughs> uh, that goes back a ways. Let's read a little more here. The Cincinnati Conservatory of Music was founded the same year as the Boston Conservatory, the New England Conservatory, and the Chicago Academy of Music, which would then become the Chicago Musical College. It was one of the first music conservatories in the United States and possibly the first residential conservatory in the country. It quickly established itself as one of the finest in the world. Okay, just one more reason for the folks in Cincinnati to be proud. That and, of course, the Simple Joe podcast. Let's change the subject. Let's go talk about COVID-19 because the numbers in Georgia are are going nuts. They're just rocketing right up there again. We have another wave. I know this isn't a surprise, but I'm still, I'm uh, surprised at, at the numbers. Every day in the afternoon, I check the website for the Georgia Department of Public Health. And yesterday when I saw the numbers, uh, they were just going crazy. The last four days, we had positive case numbers of 2,200, then 3,700, then 5,800, and then yesterday, 
hundred, eight thousand six hundred positive cases. I don't know what the positivity rate is. I just know that we had that many cases. The highest count that we had in this pandemic was about a year ago, January eighth, when we peaked out at ten thousand two hundred confirmed cases. And I think we're going to blast past that one real soon. Because lots of people are getting together these last two weeks of the year, and the Omicron strain is just really contagious. So those numbers are going to get big. I don't think that the number of deaths is going to get crazy, and maybe hospitalizations will be under control because we have so much more effective treatments, and of course lots of people have been vaccinated, but still the number of cases is pretty astounding. So social distance and wear your mask, at least. That's, that's my mantra. In other Georgia news, let's go to business now. We talked about the new Rivian plant that's coming to Georgia, the $5 billion plant that's going to build 400,000 trucks and have 7,500 new good jobs in Georgia. Well, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution reports that Georgia's incentive package for the $5 billion Rivian plant is likely the largest ever. Well, you think? It's probably the biggest piece of business we've ever had. This is a very long article, so I'm just going to pull the highlights because, well, I know that you are so interested in this, but I am, and it's my podcast, so I'm doing it. I'm reading now from the AJC, as written by Greg Bluestein. Georgia put together what is expected to be the largest incentive package in state history to lure the $5 billion Rivian plant and its promise of generating thousands of well-paying jobs for the state's growing electric vehicle industry. While Governor Brian Kemp and others won't publicly detail the extent of the state and local perks that helped land the Rivian facility, senior officials say the package will far surpass the more than $400 million that Georgia offered Kia Motors 15 years ago to win a smaller project in West Point, Georgia. Beyond tax breaks and abatements, which will account for hundreds of millions of dollars worth of incentives, The package is said to also involve infrastructure improvements that could include a new interchange on I-20. Well, I think they're going to need more than one new interchange on I-20. It's massive out there. Just massive. Now, maybe you won't need more interchanges just for the plant, but for all the other things that are going to come out there, the housing and the schools and so forth, there'll be a lot of investment in infrastructure in that part of the state for sure. Continuing with the article, state officials confirmed a workforce training center will be built near the plant. Oh, that's kind of neat. And specially designed high school courses will also be set up for students seeking careers in the industry. And I would guess that would be high school courses across the state. I would guess. Governor Kemp has not yet outlined the specific package, which is set to be formally released within weeks. Ah, we have more to come. Okay. Governor and other officials have maintained what officials from both parties often say after a mammoth deal is struck. It was Georgia's talented workforce, quality of life, and pro-business reputation that helped cement the agreement. And that incentives were just a sweetener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Georgia has a pretty good podcaster down here, too. I'm just saying, just saying, still a big deal. I'm surprised that our voting law kerfuffle earlier this year didn't upset that. Mm, I don't know. Maybe maybe there was something else going on. This is a big deal, and it, it, it's good news for Georgia. My only concern is that this is a brand-new company uh, bringing a very expensive product into a brand-new market, electric trucks. And, you know, it just might not build out as well as it's planned to do. 
I don't think it's going to be a disaster, but I'm not convinced it's going to be all smiles and giggles either. So we'll see. I'll report back. Of course, you can trust me. Oh, wait, I'll be through with this podcast in a while. Maybe I won't be reporting back. All right, let's go on. Let's take another word. This one comes from a movie review. Jan and I watched Finch last night with Tom Hanks, which was good, by the way. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. And before we watched it, I looked it up. I wanted to read a review, make sure I wanted to spend two hours of my life watching it. And I found this interesting word tucked in the review. The word is sclerotic. S-C-L-E-R-O-T-I-C. Sclerotic. It's an adjective and it means grown rigid or unresponsive, especially with age. (laughs) Sounds like me. And unable or reluctant to adapt or compromise. And here's how it was used in the review. Quote, Hanks is as relatable as ever, and the cinematographer, Joe Willems, shooting mainly in New Mexico, surrounds him with a credibly arid dunescape. But the action, such as it is, is sclerotic, and Finch is a cipher whose previous life, aside from a brief flashback to his acquisition of the dog, remains almost entirely shrouded. So, I think I know why they used this word. First, the character, Finch, is an old man, and he acts as an old man. He acts sclerotic, kind of old and cranky, just like I do on most days. So, maybe that's why it used. I I don't think it was meant to say that the action in the film was too slow. I mean, it wasn't a a shoot-em-up thriller kind of thing. It was a slow-moving movie. But uh, that was that's the pace that's appropriate for it. Um, so, I don't know. I don't see myself using this much in a conversation at dinner or over coffee. I, you know, maybe. But I still, I recommend that you put it in your back pocket or wherever you keep your vocabulary. I'm, I'm certainly going to do that. It might just be the word that we need at that very special moment, sclerotic. I wonder if it has a related word, sclerotica where old people go. Uh, I'll look it up. And that is all for today. We're going to wrap it up, but we have nothing to wrap it up, and so we'll just stick a fork in it because it's done. I'm Rich Grimshaw, and you are invited to join me again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.